Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Good morning, and welcome to Women and Manufacturing. I'm Lydia DiLiello, the CEO and founder of Capital Pricing Consultants, and it's my privilege this morning to host Women in Manufacturing and to introduce my guest, Benita Baguera from Uganda. Benita is a very distinguished guest, and I'd like to introduce her and give our viewers here a bit more information about her. Benita was the winner of the Judges Award in Kenya in 2018 and nominated in 2018 for the Upstream Woman of the Year Award for the Oil and Gas Awards, and she was nominated again in 2019 and won it. So we have with us a woman who is in the oil and gas industry in Uganda. Very impressive. Benita, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you. I'm glad to be able to speak to you and to speak to your audience. Well, we're delighted to have you. So, Benita, help myself and our audience understand a bit about business in Uganda and help us set the stage a bit, if you would. Okay. Maybe what I could do is start by uh, telling you where Uganda is. That would be wonderful. And explain a little bit because, first of all, Africa, some of the myths is that Africa is a country. It's a continent and has 52 different countries. And so Uganda is in East Africa, the eastern part of Africa. Some of your audiences may know that your former president was from Kenya. So Uganda borders Kenya, where uh, Barack Obama's father came from. So that is just, you know, where Uganda is. What you wanted to know a little bit about the industry? Well, some about the business, but I just want to highlight what you said, Benita. Mm -hmm. 52 individual countries within the continent of Africa. 54, actually. 54. 54. Some of them are English speaking, some are French speaking, some are Portuguese. So it's, they're, they're different. And sometimes when uh, you have investors coming in, they tend to think there will be a copy and paste. You'll find that the French <laughs> speaking is totally, slight, you know, pretty different from the English speaking part of Africa. And I think that that's a great reminder for all of our viewers, because I think those of us that have never been to the continent of Africa, tend to think of it, as you said, as one giant country rather than individual parts with individual characteristics, countries, languages. Yes. So as we we talk about business, then it must also be very different in each of those 54 countries. Tell us about what business is like, especially for a woman in Uganda and in the oil and gas industry, which in the United States, we would consider very much male-dominated and and in the southern part of the United States, if you will. Well, the oil and gas industry is not only male-dominated, but it's also new in this industry. So you don't even have a lot of Ugandan male in the industry, let alone have women in the industry. Uganda discovered oil in 2006. We have uh, commercially viable oil. There's about 6.5 billion barrels. So it's new. We're building a pipeline, a heated pipeline. I think it's the probably the longest heated pipeline. It's about 1,400 kilometers. So we're 
putting up a lot of infrastructure, a lot of roads. We're building a refinery. We're building an international airport where the oil is in Hoima in Western Uganda. So it's a new industry in Uganda. It's a new industry in East Africa, in, in, in Kenya, in Mozambique, in Tanzania. There's a lot of gas in, in Tanzania. So it's very new for us. So especially having a woman in that industry, in a new industry that is still a mystery to us, is very, very, very unique. And it's exciting for me. And it sounds, so when did you found your company? I founded it in 2016 with a high school friend from Norway, which was very helpful because Norway has experience in oil and gas industry. And I thought I would tap into into their experiences. So I founded it in 2006 have no background in, in the oil industry. I am not an engineer. Just jumped into the deep end. I knew that was the future. So I just got into it and, and uh, decided that this is an industry I wanted to get into. Extractives, actually, not just oil, oil and gas, but I'm also interested in, in natural resources. I knew that this is the future. So I decided to just get into it. And I've been, you know, it's pretty much been self-taught. I've taught myself. I attended conferences. Um, I asked whoever I could about the industry. Um, and, and so it's been a very, very interesting journey. And along the way, I've partnered with some American companies like Emerson, which is a Forbes 500 company that manufactures automation and, and various products. I've partnered with some Norwegian companies and other companies to come into this market. There's a lot of international companies that have come in, like I said, because it's a new industry. So we are partnering or having a lot of, of uh, international companies coming in that have vast experience. We have American companies. You have your Halliburton's. You have um, different uh, American companies that are here as well. And it sounds like, Benita, I know when you and I spoke before, mm-hmm. you had mentioned to me that there are specific government guidelines relative to how international companies can come into Uganda to participate into this marketplace. Would you talk a little bit about that, about the liaisons that are required and and kind of how those relationships work? Yes. Um, Uganda enacted the local content law, which requires all um, international companies to either register fully in Uganda or they must partner with a Ugandan company. And if they register fully in Uganda, they have to have uh, higher locals about 70%, 50% must be in managerial positions. They must purchase local materials if they're available. So there's a whole list. And then there's about 16 sectors that have been set aside for Ugandan companies, for Ugandans. These are sectors like logistics, clearing and forwarding. Some of the things that are not too technical in terms of like, you know, drilling, you can't set aside for Ugandans because we don't have experience. But certain industries we've been in for a long time. So those are the ones that have specifically been set aside for Ugandan companies. Environmental impact assessment. So any company that comes in that wants to do those specific 16, going to those 16 sectors, must do a joint venture with a Ugandan company. And the Ugandan company must have minimum 48%. Because before, you know what would happen? They will come in and say, okay, I'll partner with a Ugandan and give a Ugandan company 1% and say, hey, there is. So, and you must show the joint venture, um, the, 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 the partnership. You must show it when you're tendering. So there's, uh, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of uh, good things. And it sounds like the government has done an excellent job of really 
encouraging investment, but at the same time balancing the, the needs and the growth opportunities for the Ugandan marketplace and economy so that always there is a good fit both culturally as well as economically to ensure that the growth happens in a positive way for the community and it isn't just for the investors from a financial standpoint. Yes, yes. Now, speaking of uh, financial investment, you and I have spoken a bit about how women are able to acquire financing or not acquire financing to get businesses off the ground. And I was fascinated to learn some of the things you had shared with me. So would you share with the with our viewers how you go about getting financed as a woman business owner jumping into new markets? Oh, it's, it's extremely difficult. Uh, access to finance is one of our biggest challenges because, you know, women, women, traditionally, women don't inherit land. We have what we have, the customary law. So women do not inherit land because they assume you're going to get married. And yet it's women who till the land. So you have the land, you, you farm and till the land, but you don't own the land. It's, it's temporary. That is a huge problem. And so if you don't own land, if you don't own immovable, non-movable assets, you then cannot go to the bank and borrow money from the bank. So it's, it's a major problem. Although in Uganda, we have a, a full ministry, a ministry of gender, and it's there to try and, 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 and help with those, those kind of challenges. They've actually put up something that is called the Uganda Women Entrepreneur Program, but they fund and they skill and help groups. So you cannot go to them as individuals, but they do help groups to 10 to 15, and they do have funding for these women, which are you know, at, at, at good rates or some of them no rates at all. So they say some government is trying to do some things to help women, but we've got a long way. But business women like us, we have a problem. We have so a it, major it, problem. It, it sounds like then, Benita, for a woman like yourself, unless if you were married, your husband had property, or if another family member had property, male family member had property, would you then be able to, to leverage that as an opportunity to take to the bank? Or would it only be if it was a husband directly? No, it has to be in your names. Because okay. if they're lending you in your name or in your company name, it has, you have to own it. So that makes it particularly challenging then. And, and I think we had talked a bit about how with the groups of women, there is often more opportunity when you all come together. But again, each of those women has to bring in some form of an asset, correct? Something no. you no, not in that case. Like I said, Uganda, you know, has, has put together these programs where these women, if you're 10 to 15 uh, women and you're in groups, you do not have to put up assets. You sort of become your, 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 each other's keepers, make sure that you pay back. So you don't have, that's the advantage, then you don't have to own property or land to, to put up as collateral. Okay. And so the, the bank's or the financial institutions feel much more comfortable with women in groups feeling that they each police each other relative to making payments. Yes. yes. It's a concept very, very different for me to understand. Do you feel that when, when you've gone to the bank, is the scrutiny the same for you, Benita? So I understand the part relative to the, the financing itself. 
but are you required to file any kind of different paperwork than a man is to start a company or to maintain a company? No, no, no. It's the same. The same. Okay. And I think when we were speaking about the government, you had mentioned that there are very many women in the Ugandan government, which also helps move along the initiative of women in business. Can you share a bit about that? Yes. Uganda's cabinet has actually got 15 women. There are 15 women in cabinet. The prime minister is a woman, the vice president is a woman. And this is not the first time we've had a woman vice president. The first time we had a woman vice president was in 1994. We were the first in Africa. So the so we've got a new vice president who's a woman, prime minister, the minister of energy is a woman, minister of health is a woman, we have a woman assistant minister in agriculture. So we have 15 women. And that's amazing. Yes, it helps because they will, I mean, women think differently and they think of other women. So when they're looking at policies and looking at different things, they will, because they experienced, they, they, they've gone through the same experiences that we have. So it will make a big difference. But also the good thing about the Ugandan government, it has a whole entire ministry, a ministry of gender that just looks at women issues, which is different from, you know, you don't have that in, in, in many countries. No, I think that's the first time I've ever heard of a ministry of gender, which I think is fascinating because it really shines a light on what the disparities are between women and men and what the opportunities are and how to bridge that gap to create some equity. I think you're a pioneer being willing to jump into an unknown field that is really just burgeoning now. And most especially as a woman, it sounds like, Benita, that because you were saying it's so new, do you find that your male colleagues are accepting of you because this is so new? No one really knows what's going on yet. Yes, that's true, because we're all fumbling, pretty much. Um, <laughs> we're, we're all new. That, that's the advantage, because we're all new in the industry. So there are no experts. We, I, we hardly, I don't even think, do we, I don't even think we have a petroleum engineer in Uganda. I'm not sure. And if we do, there'll be very, very few petroleum engineers. So we do have a lot of engineers that have come up. But in terms of petroleum engineering, no, not much. We have electrical and mechanical. So it's new. It's really, it's a brand new industry. We haven't even started producing oil. Okay. So all of this is is the planning and and the preparation for the production and the ability to then, so will will it be, the oil be consumed within Africa or will it be exported? It will be exported. We have companies like Total, we have the Chinese Sinoc, and we have other Australian companies that have come in and, and doing quite a bit of exploration. So there'll be a lot, 70% will be exported, 30% will be utilized locally. That's why we're building a refinery. And what we produce locally will then be supplied to within Uganda and to neighboring countries. So we'll stop importing refined products. That's fantastic. And any idea approximately when you'll start your production? 2025. 2025. So you have have a target moving along very quickly. Well, it's still four years away. That time is going to go fast, no doubt, as you are all together working to have an industry that's functioning and then growing from there. Yes. And remember, Uganda is is, uh, landlocked. Mm. It's landlocked. It's like in between Kenya and Tanzania. 
so that's why there's also a lot of infrastructure that needs to be built. Like the pipeline is going through Tanzania to the Tanzanian port called Tanga. And that's like 1,400. Um, so there's quite a bit of infrastructure that needs to be in place. Getting oil from one place to the other is not convenient when you're landlocked. And, yeah. and so it's clear that the infrastructure and the time you're investing now is critical to ensure mm. once you have that production, you have it available for easy sale and for continuous logistics yes. that works well. Now, yes. as we finish up, Benita, there, we talked a bit about the, the African Growth Opportunities Act. This was enacted from my research back in May of 2000 and covers 38 countries. Can you share with our listeners and viewers what this act is and how it's helping Africa? Yes, so it was it was enacted to increase trade, to help trade between Africa and the U.S. So it's duty-free and it's 30, like you said, it's 38 countries and it's about 6,000 different products that are listed that are part of this duty-free. Apparel is one of them. I know Uganda exports uh, quite a bit to the U.S., exports coffee quite a bit to the U.S. And some of the clients for Uganda, like Starbucks, for example, I need to really improve that. These systems were put in place, opportunities are there, but we're not utilizing it. I know the U.S. is is trading a fair bit with South Africa, with um, with Nigeria and Angola, but it's mainly oil. But if there's 6,000 different products, agricultural products, we really need to explore that and start taking advantage of this. So it's things like this that will help connect us to, to the, the American market and highlight what's available. And I think that's so true, Benita, with any kind of legislation. Guidelines can be put in place, legislation can be erected, but if it's not utilized, and, and the legislation just sits idle. To your point about the 6,000 products, if, yeah. if only a small percentage of those are actually ever arriving, for example, in the U.S., yes. then there's huge opportunity further still to develop those markets and, and those trade opportunities, if you will. Huge opportunities. I know uh, the U.S. also was trading in, in some natural resource, in, in iron and, and other natural resources. And those are the things that we can explode. War from Tangastine. These are products that we have in Uganda. I know the U.S. also trades, for example, some of those products, gets them from China. Why don't, why don't you look at, you, at Africa? We have huge deposits of these products. And these are products that are being used in like cell phones, in, in electronic cars. And the demand is going to be, it's going to grow exponentially. Companies need to start looking into these kind of products, which they'll use for their manufacturing in, in the U.S. And so it very much seems, Benita, it's, it's much about getting the word out so that people know in the U.S. that these products are available. And so in terms of how you're getting the word out about East Africa and about Uganda and the opportunities, I know that you've been working with T.R. Cutler Incorporated how are they helping you get the word out about Uganda, Africa, and, and all of the opportunities available there? Mr. Cutler has been coming to Africa for a few years now, and he sees and knows what's on the ground. And he's been desperate to tell the story. And he's enabled us to tell our story. Because basically, we've been relying on, on, on mainstream media. And mainstream media are interested in news, in, in wars, in in, in 
they, they don't tell the good side. They don't tell, talk about the Africa. And so a lot of people don't know Africa except for the problems in Africa. But it's a beautiful continent. It has so much to offer, not just about business, safaris. Uganda has gorillas. And this is the only area in the world that has gorillas. They were almost extinct. Did you know you can ski in Uganda, for example? You can come to Uganda and ski. No. You will never think that you can ski in Africa. You'll think of no. Switzerland, you'll you think of Whistler in Canada, but you'll never think that you can ski. So you can come here, see tree climbing lions, which is very rare. We have over a thousand bird species, over a thousand, you know, and, uh, and we have indigenous ones. And then we have the ones that come to visit when it's winter in, in, in Europe. They're, they're clever. They come and, 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 and hang out in, in Uganda when it's cold in, in Europe. So we have so much. We have a lot of crater lakes. We have white water rafting. We have so, so much. But at the same time, we also, and our governments and us guys, we also need to get the word out there and tell people about how beautiful this continent is and, and what kind be done, what can be seen. And I think that's that's a start for your viewers to just come and visit. And while you visit, then you can look around and see, okay, what opportunities are there? But at least first get a feel of it and get rid of the myths. You know, Uganda is ready for business. Africa has changed drastically. We've changed the way we view things. We've changed the way we do things. We're not interested in aid. We're interested in trade. It's exciting. It's an exciting continent. 70% of the population is um, below the age of 30. So you have a young and vibrant population and you have helped open our eyes, Benita, to yes. all of the wonderful things that are available to us in Uganda specifically, yes. as well as in Africa, both from a, a personal standpoint for some vacation and some exploration, yes. as well as from a professional and business standpoint. I know myself I am very anxious to get to the continent of Africa and explore and have the opportunity to meet you in person. So yeah. I cannot thank you enough today for your time and exposing all of us and sharing with us your experiences as a businesswoman in Uganda. And as we close out our podcast today, visit Jacket Media Company and listen to all five of our manufacturing podcasts that are available to you, including Manufacturing Talk Radio, the Women in Manufacturing podcast, which we are, Manufacturing Matters, Hazard Girls, and Manufacturing Partnerships, Making Waves. And we look forward to seeing you all again. Benita, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed this. We were thrilled to have you. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.